Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 57 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 114 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And I want to make a very special programming announcement regarding the rest of the week for WST. This will be my last show for the week due to the craziness of Friday. You got SmackDown, Rampage, the Ring of Honor, Supercard Pay-Per-View Impact is running a show around the same time. And of course, the night is headlined by the 2022 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony airing live on Peacock immediately after SmackDown on Fox. And due to all of this happening around the same time, I will have no time to cover SmackDown or Rampage via this podcast. So I'm going to take the night off. I'm going to watch SmackDown, Rampage, and the Hall of Fame ceremony somehow, some way as a fan. The DVR is my friend. I will find a way to fast forward through everything and catch up on other shows along the way as we get ready for the busiest weekend in a very long time. NXT, Send and Deliver, WrestleMania is night one and two. All the indie shows going down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A lot of stuff going down, and I cannot cover it all via this space, but I'm going to watch it, enjoy it as a fan, and I hope you do the same as well. So hopefully this dynamite effect ties you over until Tuesday as we get ready for the night after WrestleMania, which promises to be the most newsworthy night of the year outside of WrestleMania itself. So sit back, relax, enjoy a very busy weekend that technically starts today with a lot of traveling down to Dallas just in time for Wrestlemania and with that let's take a deep dive into last and I say W Dynamite going down live from the Colonial Life Arena in Columbia South Carolina and I thought this was a really good wrestling show the pace was slowed down a bit the in-ring action was very strong throughout and I thought this was a nice way to reset things ahead of the next Battle of the Belts event going down on TNT in a few weeks time and it starts the ball rolling for double or nothing going down at the end of May from Las Vegas Nevada and we got a great start to last night's show with CM Punk versus Max Caster from the acclaimed and of course Max got off a Will Smith joke it's very timely and relevant considering the slapped hurt around the world this past Sunday at the Oscars and this was a very nice showcase for Punk as he basically dominated this match outside of brief moments of flurry for Max Caster who was able to slow down the pace of going after the back of CM Punk who went through it last week against Dax Harwood and went after the knee of Punk as well as a charging knee in the corner backfired on Punk and Caster took advantage by going for a fisherman's buster suplex which was counted by Punk a short time later. Punk goes for a springboard maneuver but the referee is distracted courtesy of Max Caster as Anthony Bowens trips up Punk he's draped on the ring apron and Caster goes to the top rope and hits a coast to coast missile drop kick on Punk. It was a pretty sweet spot. Caster goes up top of the mic drop. He misses it as Punk moves out of the way. And Punk drops Caster with a power driver before locking in the Anaconda Vice with a submission win. And Tony Schiavone's in the ring interviewing Punk and he notes that Punk motioned for the championship around his waist last week and Punk elaborates by saying, listen Tony, the grays in my beard are getting grayer and I'm going to accumulate more scars on my forehead the longer I do this. But before I leave AEW, the one thing I'm going to do is face the winner of Hangman Page and or Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. By the time my run in AEW is done, I am going to be world champion. He motions for the belt once again to wrap up the opening segment. I thought this was a nice showcase for Punk, a great seller of the lower limbs, 
great seller of the back, selling last week's smash against Dax Harwood perfectly. And Caster had a nice showing as well. And he was basically out there to fire off that Will Smith shade. And he also threw some shade at Punk as well, talking about Z-Pax and how he is the voice of the moistless regarding Punk's prior relationships, which took us down a slippery slope, but the shade was fine. Punk smiled and kicked his ass for good measure. So all in all, this was a win of an opening segment. Next up is Jay Lethal versus John Moxley. And this was a really good match. It was hard hitting throughout. Moxley kicked things off with several chops and forearm strikes to Lethal. He was pummeling Jay in the corner with 10 punches to the forehead. He gets crotched on the apron by Lethal a short time later, and Lethal goes to hit Moxley with a tope. As we go picture in picture, we come back, and both men collide into a crossbody that lays both men out for a bit. Lethal recovers, and he hits the Lethal combination on Moxley for a close near fall. Moxley goes for a paradigm shift, but he is blocked by Lethal because Moxley's left knee is injured, has been targeted throughout this match, and he was draped on the apron, and Lethal knocked him on the floor, which lifted that tope leading into the picture-in-picture commercial break. So, Lethal goes for the Lethal injection. Moxley catches him into a bulldog choke. He drops Lethal on the mat for leverage, but Lethal floats over for a near fall, and he hits John Moxley with a beautiful brain buster, goes up top for the elbow drop as well for a very close near fall. He goes for a figure four leg lock, but Mox is able to counter that into the paradigm shift for the win. And I thought that was a great finish to a very good match as Jay Lethal's mini losing streak continues on AEW television. He lost this past Wednesday to Adam Cole on Dynamite, loses back to back to Mox tonight. And he is at a crossroads. He mentioned on Rampage recently that he is going through a slump and he has to change things up. In what way? We'll see in due time. But I thought this was a fabulous showcase for Moxley once again as he reps the Blackpool Combat Club to the fullest. Next up is FTR's Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood versus the Gun Club's Austin and Colton Gunn with Billy Gunn at ringside and MGF is on commentary. And Wardlow is allegedly banned from the building. There's posters saying do not let this man enter the building at the Colonial Life Arena in Columbia, South Carolina. And this match was fine. We had a lot of gaga from Billy Gunn at ringside as he decked Cash Wheeler with a punch and told him to suck it, bitch, as we go picture in picture. We come back and FTR is fitting off this offense from the gun club, but eventually Dax gets in there, whoops ass accordingly, but is tripped by Colton Gunn as he delivers a suplex to Austin Gunn, and that kind of turns the momentum of the match a bit. As we head backstage and we see Wardlow tearing through security, whooping ass, putting a dude on the table via a power bomb. He did not go through said table, but the bump hurts nonetheless. He takes at the guards as he makes his way through the crowd. And then MGF freaks out on commentary saying, where is security? What's happening? But security does swarm more at low. They hold him back from MGF and he is kicked out of the building. But the fans love Wardlow nonetheless. And it should be noted that FTR loves Wardlow too. Dex Harwood says he's our boy. He's our friend since day one. And I'm not here for your disagreements with him. So keep us out of it. And MGF says that Wardlow talks shit behind their backs. They don't believe it. And this leads to the finish of FTR fending off Billy Gunn and they hit Austin Gunn with the big rig for the win. And Dax Harwood lights up MGF saying, that's some bullshit. Wardlow's my guy. He's our friend. How could you do this? And MGF's trying to calm things down a bit, but this is the perfect vehicle to turn FTR baby faces. They've been teasing this for a while now, but when you flip on MJF to get your guy back in the fold, that will be everything. And FTR wants the Young Bucks 
in a match very soon. Run it back like it's the year 2020. We deserve the sequel after nearly two years. The wait is long enough. Let's get this match preferably on a dynamite very, very soon. Next up is the Jericho Appreciation Society talking about being appreciated backstage and how they feature endeavored the Dark Orders, John Silver and Alex Reynolds last week and how they have excommunicated Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz from AEW allegedly and Matt Menard is pulling open the curtain to see if they're there and they're not. But I have to say this, Matt Menard is channeling his inner Tony D'Angelo and you see Angelo Parker rocking the suspenders like he's Matt Capetamaw. So I see the symbolism of sports entertainment on my screen every single week. Very subtle, but intentional at the exact same time. So Jake Hager pulls the curtain open. They say nobody's here, but guess what? Somebody's there. It's proud and powerful and Eddie Kingston, and they jump all over the Jericho Appreciation Society. Eddie gets his hands on Jericho. After three weeks, he drops him with a spitting back fist in the ring. And for a moment... They have the numbers advantage, but Jake Hager appears and he makes a save for Jericho and the numbers game gets the best of Santana Ortiz and Eddie Kingston. We have Daniel Garcia lock in the sharpshooter on Kingston and Jericho grabs Floyd the baseball bat and he beats Kingston with it back first over and over and over again. Proud and powerful laid out in the ring. Then Jericho hits Eddie with the Judas effect for good measure as the sports entertainers stand tall to wrap up this heat-seeking segment. And all I got to say is this, Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz need two more friends. They have to even the odds somehow, some way. Maybe Kingston calls in a favor to Mox and Brian Danielson. That would be a lot of fun. Two true blue professional wrestlers who are not afraid to get into a scrap that would be quite the team against the sports entertainers repping the Jericho Appreciation Society and I would love to see that very very soon on a dynamite but as always we shall see next up is the aforementioned American Dragon Brian Danielson versus Willa Yuta and I thought this was Willa Yuta's best match in AEW to date as Brian has brought out the violent side of Rilla Yuta. And William Regal is a gem on commentary per the usual. And I get a kick out of Regal calling Excalibur the man in the mask. It's just so fitting and he will never call him anything else. And I love him for that. But as for the match between Danielson and Yuta, this was great. I will say that JR and Excalibur oversold the match just a touch. Excalibur saying this is a classic right before picture in picture. And I thought that was a bit too much hyperbole for me in that you want the match to unfold organically and you don't want to drop hints to say, oh, this match is a classic. Oh my God, Willa Yuta's amazing. Let that unfold and then tell that story in real time and not telegraph it so much. But besides that, this match was great. Yuta took it to Brian with several stiff shots. The grappling was fantastic. I love the bridging deathlock as he folded his arms and the fans popped because it was so badass. And Yuta was just giving it to South Carolina last night. He delivers a German suplex to the bridge for a very close near fall. Brian responds with catamutilation, but Willie Yuta fires up and he delivers some stiff elbow strikes to the face of Danielson. He is on fire. The fans are chanting 
for his name, which is a rarity on Dynamite. But when you're going toe-to-toe with the American Dragon, you've got to deliver your absolute best. And the closing sequence came when he was going for Cradle, for a near fall. He goes for his next move, and Brian drops him with a busaku knee out of nowhere. And he spits in Yuta's face and kicks his fucking head in the fans eat this up he drops him with a gouch style power driver and he puts in a gnarly labelle lock for the submission win but even in defeat william regal is really impressed by willa yuda and i am as well i thought this guy was very dry and generic as a part of best friends and when he's around danielson he just lights up the intensity is kicked up a notch and i love it that's what i want to see And that's what Danielson was talking about a few weeks ago on Dynamite when he wanted to team up with Moxley. You got guys like Lee Moriarty, Daniel Garcia, Willa Yuta, who are on the cusp of greatness, but they need that extra push. And Yuta is feeding off of that shit. And I love the confidence. His face is beaming with excitement. And I'm here for it. It's about damn time because in this business, you not only got to be great in the ring, but you got to project some level of charisma and he's got it and the fans are hooked. And I want Yuta to be the next member of the Blackpool Combat Club. And I think he might get an invite when it's all said and done via this performance last night on Dynamite. Next up was a undisputed elite championship celebration involving Adam Cole, Bay Bay, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly hijacking the AEW and World Tag Team titles from Hangman Adam Page, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Last week, they have their names taped on the nameplates for these belts. And I love Kyle O'Reilly. I truly do. I adore cool Kyle, despite the quirkiness of it all. I'm not here for crazy Kyle that probably forgot his lines last night and pretended he was drunk off champagne and sat down. It was very strange. And I love Kooky Kyle to a point, but even this was too extra for me as Cole gloated about being the real AEW world champion and that Hangman, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus would not be here tonight to claim their belts because they're too scared to get them back. And then Hangman arrives in a Tesla with long horns attached to the hood and he goes right after the undisputed elite and he gets his belts back thanks to an assist from jungle boy and luchasaurus and every time that cole is in the ring page is going for that buckshot lariat and cole ducks every single time but page does grab him and tosses his ass over the ropes as he flips into his buddy's red dragon at ringside and that will set up hopefully a double Battle of the Bells championship match between Cole and Page 2 for the AEW World Championship and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus Red Dragon for the AEW World Tag Team title sometime in April on TNT. Next up is the proper championship celebration of Thunder Rosa as Tony Giovanni tries again to interview Thunder Rosa. And this time she gets a speaker piece about being the first Mexican-born AEW Women's World Champion. She's very proud of that. And she not only wants to be the face of the AEW women's division. She wants to be the face of women's wrestling, period. She wants to break down those barriers, knock down doors, and make history. On top of that, she doesn't want to be a pillar that could be knocked down easily. She wants to be a foundational piece to AEW. And I thought that was a nice promo by Thunder Rosa, reinforcing the fact I'm going to be a difference maker as champion. And now LaRose tries to rain on my parade through Vicky Guerrero, and that's not going to work. So now LaRose responds by saying that, hey, I was here first since day one. You want to be a pillar. You want to be the foundation. I'm the one that was here first. Don't forget that for the record. So you want me to be the genie? 
abacadabra bitch and she will make all of Thunder Rose's wishes come true. That is Nyla Rose I love with minimum Vicky Guerrero comments spliced in for good measure. Nyla Rose is a damn good promo by herself. She proved that last week backstage and she did so again last night and she is hilarious with her promos. Always has the best closing line that pops me every time and last night was no exception. Next up is the Bunny versus a mystery opponent in a qualifying match for the Owen Hart Foundation Cup on the women's side of things. And this mystery opponent is none other than Tony Storm, who gets a great pop from the South Kakalaki crowd. She looks great. I love the nod to Barracuda via her new theme music. I love the aesthetic. Tony looks great. And I thought she had a great outing last night delivering that stiff, hard-hitting offense she's known for. She delivered a big boot to the bunny early on, a headbutt as well, followed by another boot that laid out the bunny for a near fall. But the bunny did regain control as we go picture in picture for a bit. And she was able to deliver a couple of thrust kicks to Tony Storm. The second one actually made Tony Storm timber backwards. And the bunny makes a cover for a very close near fall. And as the bunny goes for a finisher, Tony reverses it into her traditional Storm Zero power driver for the win. A sick finisher, great torque by the bunny as well. And I really enjoyed this debut match for Tony Storm, who looks like a star. And I hope she reaches her true potential in AEW. Great start to be in the Owen Cup tournament. She's going to be a standout with more names. We add it to the brackets very soon via qualifying matches going down on Dynamite next week and on Rampage this Friday as well. So nice showing for Tony Storm on her first night in AEW. And I'm pulling for Tony because I've been a big fan of her sitting back to the 2017 May Young Classic and she was a standout in the semifinals. Won the whole thing at Evolution the following year and she was a standout on NXT UK. She was the NXT UK Women's Champion at one point, and she was great. Then she came to NXT USA, and I thought that she lost her mojo due to a lot of haphazard booking during the peak era of black and gold. It was a very rough go for Tony. She took a timeout, came back, turned heel for reasons I still don't get. She moved to SmackDown in the summer, had one match against Alina Vega, disappeared for two or three months, had a mini push against Charlotte Flair that involved pie throwing, which I hated, which set up a women's championship match on SmackDown towards the end of last year, which she lost. And I just felt the chemistry being off in that match. And that was a prelude to Tony Storm eventually leaving WWE maybe a week later. And it shocked everybody that she left. But when you're not happy... And you know that your ceiling is very limited in WWE. You know the landscape is not going to favor you in a big way. And you got to bounce. And sometimes those requests to be released go through. And sometimes they don't. Ask Mustafa Ali about that. But Tony was able to leave after doing her obligations on the road. And she said, peace out. Happy holidays. I'm done. And they granted her release. And she's free to join AEW and be a part of any indie promotion that does not conflict with her AEW schedule moving forward and good for Tony. If she's happy, I'm happy. And she deserves a world as a top tier star in the AEW women's division. And now it is time for our main event featuring Andrade Idolo versus Darby Allen. And this was a hard hitting, high flying main event as Andrade wiped out Darby with a Tornillo on the outside before the bell 
rang. He attacked Darby with his own skateboard by hitting him in the back with it repeatedly before slamming Darby rips first into the timekeeper's table. Darby does fight back and he grabs his skateboard and he hits Andrade in the back with it and he delivers a foot stomp by using the skateboard for leverage. Eventually they brawl around the ringside area and Andrade sets up the still step sideways and as Darby Allen launches over the barricade, Andrade catches him and he slams Darby back first onto the side of the still steps. And mind you, the match is not officially started yet. So eventually, Andrade gets Darby in the ring. The referee checks on Darby. He says he's good to go. And the referee calls for the bell to start the match. And Andrade immediately delivers double knees in the corner to Darby. As we go picture in picture, we come back and Andrade lifts up Darby for a razor's edge. The Darby transitions into a code red for a very close and they'll fall. And from there, these guys are trading slaps and palm strikes and they are going at it. South Carolina is going crazy for this as their elbow smashes lead to both men going down for a bit. Darby eventually makes it back to his feet and he hits a float over stunner on Andrade. And Andrade responds to the backbreaker and he takes off his belt to whip Darby Allen with it. But the referee catches him, grabs the belt. And behind the referee's back, we have Darby take off his belt and he trips Andrade by wrapping his feet around the belt and he goes face first into the turnbuckle and that sets up a spot with both men fighting for position on the top rope and Darby Allen comes through with a crucifix bomb from the top rope. And he locks in a submission to tap out Andrade via Fujiwa Ombar. And Jose, the assistant, comes out to make the save. But Sting stops him. And he gets jumped by the butcher in the bladed ringside. Darby Allen delivers a crossbody that lays out everybody at ringside. But he gets caught with the spine buster by Andrade and the hammerlock DDT for the win. A needed win for Andrade as he's been eating the pen a lot on AEW TV as of late. And he tells Butcher and the Blade to go after Sting. They beat him down alongside Darby Allen. Private Party comes out to increase the numbers for this beatdown until the Hardy Boys make the save. The fans pop. Matt drops Mark Quinn with a twist of fate and Jeff goes up top and he hits every bit of that swanton on Mark Quinn. It looks painful It feels painful for Quinn, I assume, which sets up a tables match between the Hardys and Butcher and the Blade next Wednesday on Dynamite. And the show goes off the air at the top of the hour with the babyfaces standing tall once again. And I really liked the end of this show. A lot of fun action involving Andrade and Darby Allin. They had a very physical match, which I always love. And the finish was sorely needed for Andrade to gain a win for the Andrade family office. So I dug the finish and the baby faces making the save made this a much better ending than the heel setting tall on Dynamite last week via the Jericho Appreciation Society. All in all, I thought this was a very good Dynamite. Nothing flashy, but really good professional wrestling up and down this card a nice building block for double or nothing at the end of may in las vegas nevada i'm looking forward to the show and the owen cup kicking off on television very very soon as well so i thought this was a really nice two-hour show that wasn't over the top it wasn't frenetic in pace this was a bell to bell proficient show 
that should set the table for the next month of AEW programming. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 57 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleTopia. There you can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search WrestleTopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Tuesday morning with episode number 115 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. Until then, enjoy your Thursday, Friday, and your WrestleMania Saturday, Sunday, along with your Manic Monday. Stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.